I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of the AI Comic Pod. Uh, tonight, we're going to be covering Guardians of the Galaxy, and with me, as always, is Rory. Hi, mate. How you doing? I'm good, and you? I'm very well, thank you. And we've got a little debutante with us today. You may know him as 433 Chris, but tonight, we'll just call him Chris to avoid being weird. How's it going, mate? Good to be finally be on you. Yeah, I know we've been, uh, we've been trying to get this one done for a good few weeks, but we got there in the end. Now that our people have been able to sort things out with your people, so I think the <laughs> yeah, uh, finally the the best way to get this started in typical AI comic pod fashion, we should get ourselves straight in with the now legendary, almost world famous quiz. Now you, oh boy. you, Zach set a bit of a high standard last week. He managed to get six out of six. He nailed. He absolutely nailed it. But you've only got to be one and a half to. To beat Gags, the, yeah. the Oddfather himself, so it's not, <laughs> it's not too bad, mate. If you ask Gags, he will probably say that he voluntarily did a little bit crap so that he could make all of our guests feel superior and welcome. He, he we was feigning think... injury on the day, wasn't he? he yeah. Thoughts, you know? set, set the very low bar to begin with. Yeah, I think he, he just wants to make everyone feel comfortable because we've got to stop being mean to Gags because otherwise we think he's going to just get rid of us. Yeah, we don't want that. No, we don't. So tell you what, we will get straight in there. Guardians of the Galaxy questions. Number one, name the girl that Peter finds on his ship, but he cannot remember the name of. Barit. Well done. I did Good not mass. think you were going to get that. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, now the next one, question two. Vin Diesel famously recorded the three words, I am Groot, in how many different languages? I'll give you a point if you get uh, a number either side of what it is, because it's quite tricky. Hmm. No, I don't have the faintest idea. Have a guess. I've got a guess. More than 10? More than 10. More than 20? Less than 20. Let's go with 18. 
Oh no, fifteen. Oh, <laughs> including including uh, Afrikaans, he, he says I am Groot. I believe. Did he? Mm. I want to hear him say I am Groot in fifteen different languages. He really did. There's a YouTube video you can check it out. Oh, I'm going to have to do that. I suggest all listeners go and watch this video later. If I can find it, I'll put it on the Twitter page. Yeah. Question three: Name the actor who plays the role of the Collector. Uh, it's Benicio del Toro. Correct. It of course is. What is the name of the mixtape that Peter Quill listens to throughout the film? Awesome Mix Volume 1. Superb. Number five, what does Rocket insist he needs from Quill in order to stage the prison break? Uh, the prosthetic leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, right, you don't get the bonus, but I think Stu will just ask you it anyway. The, the, the bonus question. Rocket asks for another body part to complete his plan later in the film. What is it? Yeah, the bionic eye. Yeah. The one that uh, ravages them. Yeah, but you, you don't get a bonus, man. You scored four, though, didn't yeah. you? Four out of five. So you're currently comfortably in second place, but Zach is way out in front and may take some beating. I wow. think Zach, Zach's going to be on the, the final leaderboard against someone else, I'd imagine, if we do this in about a year's time. But yeah. Barit, was, Barit was a hell of an I, I can't believe you got that. <laughs> I can't. Well, she's actually quite a famous character in the Marvel Universe, in the comics. Fair and, enough. Uh, yeah, <laughs> believe it or not, she actually gets down with the Hulk in, in some of the later comics. Oh, I. <laughs> there you go. There you go, folks. Brie is a bit of a goer in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> right, so go, going from uh, intergalactic hookups, let's get back to things firmly on uh, planet terror as they would say uh chris you can start us off with the first time you actually watched the film yeah well i think like many people i was skeptical before going to see it the trailer was impressive but i thought it was a bit a bit of a risk but i went to see it with my mom and sister on a bit of a family day out and i mean they loved it and i loved it so it was i think it was a roaring success for marvel Yes, that that right there is exactly what we always say is Marvel's one of their major strengths of this this resurgence. They they manage to make the films that the comic book geeks love, that the action film fans love, but that just general cinema goers want to see. You know, your mum wants to go and watch that film and comes out having had a really good time. That's that's the testament to the MCU at the minute. Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, did you watch it as soon as it came out, or did you sort of wait for the dust to settle a bit? I think we went first weekend. By that time, I was very excited to go see it, so just had to go. Yeah. Um, what about you, Rory? I assume you were there quite soon. Yeah, I was pretty soon. I I, I was uh, being honest, a little bit sceptical about Guardians, just because I had no concept of the comics, and and I was a little bit put off by. Uh, talking raccoon and a, a giant tree and the general kind of look and feel about it I just I just wasn't sure after where it sat in the whole universe and and, and kind of it, it, how it would play out but when I kind of saw all the all the hype and all the, the reviews and then obviously everyone just keeps going yeah you've got to go and see this it's absolutely awesome so probably about a week or two uh and yeah absolutely absolutely adored it um it's probably it's probably the biggest surprise package for me because I had such low, circ- you know, low expectations of it. 
And I just, I went out of the cinema just beaming. And every time I watch it, I just, it's such a happy kind of feel good, but, but wonderfully made film and wonderfully acted film. Absolutely adore it. Yeah, I think I went either opening night or opening weekend. And of course, I went with Ian. Yes, of course, I went with Ian and Tom. And I, I knew nothing of of the, the comics or any of the characters, but Ian had given me a bit of a build-up to it. And as soon as I heard Talking Raccoon that's been a genetic experiment, a tree, an Earth kid that was kidnapped, one of Thanos's kids, and then Dave Batiste has been dropped in as some kind of huge gigantic killer i wasn't exactly taken i was sort of thinking how how are people that have been watching films with captain america and iron man and the hulk going to take to this they're not exactly relatable characters but i'm a massive chris pratt fan i know for a fact that you are and I, I went to watch it knowing full well that chris pratt wouldn't let me down it was always going to be at least good if not great but it really did surprise me. It's probably out of all the Marvel films, it's my funniest. I can't remember laughing as much at any of the other films as much as I did with Guardians. Oh, it's it's the funniest. It's it's got the best comic timing in it, and it's got the best set of comedic actors. I mean, like you said, Dave Bautista. No one expected him to be hilarious, but he delivers those lines so dry, so clever. They, they lines, you know, we we talked about films when we've done these before and talked about one-liners. He's just the king of one-liners in this film. He's just, <laughs> just amazed me. He definitely, no, sort of he definitely gets delivery. the best ones. He really does. Yeah, it's deadpan, exactly yeah. like you said. You know, um, some of his lines are, are literally just. I was just, I was just in hysterics. I just, I just couldn't really believe it for us. And, um, and they all deliver them. Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's genius. Yeah. Um, it, it just that we always do a little bit of a look at the cast. And if, if you go through, I mean, you've got some, some newbies like Batista, but then you've got some real, I mean, Zoe Saldana is an A-lister. There's no, no denying that. Vin Diesel, I'm not a big fan of. But Vin Diesel is a worldwide superstar. You know, he, he makes a lot of money in a lot of films. Bradley Cooper, huge guy at the moment. Of course, Mike, Michael Rooker. But then even some of the ones that I, I didn't even recognize Karen Gillan until I saw afterwards that she was in it because the makeup job was so good and so extensive. Yeah. And we've already spoken about this very briefly offline. We, we all loved... John C. Riley and Peter Serafinowicz. I want a bonus point for saying Serafinowicz properly <laughs> as, <laughs> as the Nova members. Glenn Close as Nova Prime. Glenn Close looks amazing in this as Nova Prime as yeah, well. Yeah, and, and we've Perfect. already said Benicio del Toro is the collector. So it's a massive, it's a big cast, but it's a big, recognizable cast. Who plays the guys with the eyebrows? Isn't he a famous actor? The guy with the eyebrows, I don't know. The broker. Know. Yeah, the, the broker. broker. You know what? I... If he's someone famous, I do not know. So that one, that one's lost on me. Christopher Fairbank is the broker. There okay. But everyone in it, like you said, you know, B-list otherwise, everyone in it, even small parts, is just so geniusly cast. Yeah. Everyone, guys... everyone in it is perfect. You guys know that uh, Nathan Fillion was also a voice actor in the movie? Who was Nathan Fillion? Yeah. Who was he? 
He is the big blue alien in the kiln that Groot sort of ah. sticks his fingers up his nose. Yeah. Ah, I didn't know that. I'll give you another bonus point, Stu, if Ooh. you can name the actor who uh, is in Blood Diamond and also in this no. the robotic. No. Oh, yes, I do know who you mean, but I can't answer it because I looked them up on Wikipedia about two minutes ago, so it wouldn't yeah. be fair. It's not, it's not the bonus for the but it's how you pronounce his name. Oh, I'm going to say Jamon Hounsu. Yeah, that's probably not right at all. Oh, but it's, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure he, he's not listening. No, he's Although probably not listening. Quite, but again, I mean, he's got such a minor role in it, but he's he's just um, he's quite a he's a pretty big actor in 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 terms of getting a cameo part in, um, and that's the thing. You know, I know it's Marvel and we talk about casting all the time, but how you got this many people on board with this kind of the script and 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 Marvel must have sold it extremely well because. If they pitched that to a, a casting kind of audience and stuff and said, right, it's Big Tree, Talking Raccoon, are you in? They'd go, no, this sounds mental, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, if, if you if your agent called you and said, look, I've got you a reading for a Marvel film, you'd be thinking, oh, yes. I'm going to be in the next Captain America film. Oh, yeah, Iron Man, Captain <laughs> America. Zo- Zoe Saldana's agent's on to her and she's like, right, we've got Chris Pratt playing the lead man. Brilliant. We've got Bradley Cooper, amazing, as a talking <laughs> raccoon. What? What? Say, say that again. He's a what? Oh, yeah, and we've got Vin Diesel. He's playing this tree that can only say three words. In 15 different languages. Yeah, but it, it, <laughs> including Afrikaans. But clearly it, it were, it's obviously a film that is greater than the sum of its parts, and it's Hugely parts so. of all bloody amazing. So... I think that's why it took me by surprise so much because I, you know, every, everything when the premise, I was like, this, this just isn't going to work. This yeah. just sounds mental, you know? And, and I went into it thinking, look, I, I think I like it. It's Marvel. You know, it's the same expectations as say an Ant-Man kind of film where you think, all right, it's, it's a lesser known, uh, you know, just hope they'll, they'll, they'll get it right. And Paul Rudd will probably carry the film. And I kind of thought the same. I thought, right, Chris Pratt's got his opportunity, which I think he's worked hard at and deserves. And the guy lost sixty pounds to, to play this role. Yeah, and I think he, when he, he auditioned for shape. it, when he auditioned for it, he had the sixty pounds on. There was no kind of, you know, he got the part on the basis that he read for it, and James Gunn loved him and wanted him to be involved, and and he had to convince the studio. You know, James Gunn had to convince the studio that he'd be right for the role wow. because you're looking at him going, That's look, amazing. the guy ain't going to lose sixty pounds and 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 look like he needs to look because God, he is in hell of a shape. He really um, is. I mean, we we've talked in the past about Paul Rudd bulked up for Ant Man. Chris Evans bulked up a lot for Captain America, and I never would have imagined that chubby Andy Dwyer from Parks and Rec, (laughs) a.k.a. the greatest FBI agent in the world, Burt Macklin, would have been able to get into genuine superhero shape. I I don't know what he did, but I'm amazed he hasn't put a DVD out of it. Six months of the most intensive, he said it was like hell. He said it was the hardest thing he's ever done. I'll tell you what, I bet you his wife's happy though, Anna Faris. Yeah, I bet she is. Uh, I, I think that's the key. I mean, he, you know, we can talk about acting, and we'll obviously talk about favourite scenes, and, and the script is just perfect. But he, he just binds it all together. He's just, he's just 
from that opening scene, obviously it's got quite a harrowing first opening scene where he's at his, his mother's deathbed, which is yeah, pretty it, it, it is. It's unusually uh-huh. depressing, isn't it, for a for a film like for a film so funny. It does yeah. not start off on a bit of a downer. It's like a classic kind of Disney Pixar film where it just hits you right in the right feet, in the feels. You know? Yeah, because um, it just starts off really heavy, and you're like, "Oh my god, where's it going to go from?" Yeah, here? and you know what? Credit to the kid playing Young Quill. He was yeah, uh, I agree. It, it was yeah. I mean, he he doesn't say a lot, does he? But I mean, even now, I, no. I must have seen it. Maybe I think yesterday was about the seventh time I've seen it, and even now you're watching that and you're going just. Just take your mum's hand. Just, just <laughs> hold her hand. Yeah, it's tough, man. And and to start it off like that, and then obviously switch straight into uh, him in his in his ship. And oh then, yeah, and Sing, then when that music, into the uh, the little space rat or whatever it is. Oh, it's it's just, <laughs> it just took me. I was like, what is this? Listen to this song. This is incredible. Look at what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> it just it just got me straight away, and and that's. From that moment, I was like, this is the best thing ever. Because um, I just couldn't believe it. It was just ace. Um, yeah, and then on to Beirut, Beirut and the rest of it. It was it's a really good opening, that, that that first scene. And the effects on that that first scene are great as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually just about to mention the effects throughout. I mean, Ro- Rocket is obviously the major one. He looked. He looks like he's there. I mean, the, the bit right at the very end where he's upset that, you know, Groot has sacrificed himself. Yeah. And then Drax sits down next to him and starts stroking his head. And the little things like his ears twitch and he, he starts, he almost wags his tail a little bit because he's obviously, he's, he's grateful of the contact. Yeah. I, I don't know whether they did the classic Hollywood trick of they've got like a dummy so that Batista knows where to put his hand, but it really did look like he was petting a walking, talking raccoon. I actually think, sorry, I actually think James Gunn's uh, brother was, uh, he did the acting for Groot. Or for oh, Rocket, was sorry. Right. Yeah, he was in an animation suit, so. Is he really uh, small? <laughs> he was in an animation suit. <laughs> but he's no, not, he's not, he's not really small. Um, he in actually my head, plays, he's a midget now. He plays one of Yondu's uh, first mates as well, I think. Oh, does he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad we uh, got you on. Yeah, you know your stuff, man. You really? I've made notes. I've been doing research, guys. Yeah, I like it. Gotta you be actually... prepared. Yeah, but we're not prepared, so you're not going to be allowed. <laughs> on again. You're making us look stupid here. <laughs> I think uh, us looking stupid may as well segue us nicely into uh, Rory's favourite bit, where he always does his usual talk about directors. Yeah, I can talk James Gunn. Um, James Gunn. Didn't have a major a major film before this, especially in these kind of franchises. So um, I think for him it was a, quite a big undertaking. And the guy, the, the crucial thing with him is he loves Marvel, and and you can kind of tell that. So he does his kind of um, webcast kind of things now and again. He does his kind of he does like a Skype call and, and answers all his, his Twitter followers and answers questions and stuff and. He's just such a Marvel geek, and he just—he's just perfect for this film because you've got to be. I mean, that's the thing with Marvel. I think you've got to be really deeply engrossed into to what you do. Um, with a film like this, it's tricky because if you if you didn't give it the kind of level of attention it deserved, and and you saw oh, it's a comedy, then 
it would just be a comedy and I think it'd bomb to an extent but because he gives it he combines the, the effects and obviously the, you know, the boldness of choice to, to cast Chris Pratt at the time uh, and all the work to do with the script and the way it's delivered. I just, I just think he's done such a marvellous job and I think uh, Marvel are quite lucky to have him. Um, his career span, it's, he's done quite a few films, uh, slightly alternative, so he did Dawn of the Dead um, years ago. He's done some kind of offbeat B-movie B horrors and stuff. Um, he did a film called Super in 2010. Was that um, him? Um, that's the film he directed, yeah. Right. Um, that film was really good. You know what? It's It's got Rain Wilson in it, hasn't it? Yeah, and Ellen yeah. Page has got a little role in that. It's one of the weirdest films I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and Bob there's some good comedic elements in it um, and it's got some really subtle touches but it is very very strange it's dark um, funny isn't it there's some it's really very dark, dark bits um, and Guardians to an extent you know we talk about all the lightness and stuff but we talked about that heavy scene before and it does it does have some heavy scenes I mean we'll go on to you, you mentioned briefly about Rocket being consoled after Groot's kind of dramatic exit and um, obviously he will come back. Um, but that that was quite heavy at the time, do you know what I mean? And, and you're watching that going, I'm getting emotionally moved by a, an animated tree. What is going on? <laughs> and you think the, the underlying tone throughout it is genocide. The, the, the whole point. Oh, yeah. He wants to get... Uh, Ronan wants to get to the planet's surface so that he can wipe out an entire species of people that he detests. Yeah. So it's not just the typical villain, oh, I'm going to kill a bunch of people. He's trying to kill everyone. So it is, it's, it's an, like you say, it's an odd blend of, it's yeah. funny, but it's dark and it's real at the same time. Ronan's, Ronan's dark as well as a villain. He you know, is. I talked about Winter Soldier last week having that kind of edge to him, but Ronan is, is viciously dark. He's genuinely evil, isn't he? Yeah. Very, very evil. I mean, again, I, I didn't know anything of him, but I, I don't know. I mean, he might even be, he's probably one of my favourite villains from from the Marvel films so far, simply because I went into this, like yourself, with very low expectations. All I expected was Chris Pratt to be funny. And I didn't expect a lot else, but I came out with creases on my stomach because I was laughing so hard. I think at certain points I was crying laughing. And I, I you know loved every film, part. You know what the film really does really well is take those dark emotional moments and then flips it upside down right right away and it's a one liner or something funny and you're just laughing again after just crying yeah. two seconds ago. Yeah. But the scene the scene um and we'll go through scenes a little bit, but the scene when uh they lose uh the, the orb um and Drax gets defeated by Ronan and calls him into the planet after they've been to see the collector. Um and he rescues her selflessly. It's quite a bold, selfless <laughs> act to do. And then they get taken up by Yondu's ship and he's there boasting about it and she just puts him in his place after about ten minutes. <laughs> oh yeah. And something incredibly heroic inside exactly. of Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he keeps talking about it like he's basically trying to win her over. Um well, he's and trying to get they, in his space pants, isn't he, really? Exactly, he is, he is, and who wouldn't want to? Um, but, and then she just flips it, like you said, Chris, and that's that's what it does throughout the film. It's It's got those kind of genius moments, just flipping it straight back into going, this has got heavy moments, but we're clever enough to just switch it straight back up, you know? So um, that's the script. The script is just flawless. I think we've uh, we've landed in a 
a nice logical place to do favourite scenes. So, Chris, as our wonderful guest, and considering you've been schooling us a little bit so far, why don't you start us off with your favourite scene? Oh, man, this is actually really tough because, I mean, the movie is filled with excellent scenes throughout. But uh, two I'll mention, both including Rocket, is the one where they're on the Milano for the first time. Yeah. And uh, he's building the... Hadron Enforcer then Peter Quill comes in and he asks him like what's what's that? And like, it's a bomb. A bomb? <laughs> what are you doing with the bomb? And like, I was gonna put it in the box. <laughs> <laughs> that one was great. And then talking about the emotional moments going into the funny is when they they're deciding that they're gonna go to Xandar and save all these people and then they're all standing up and like, I'm in, I'm in and then Rocket stands up last and he's like yeah. Yeah, look at us, a bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Yeah, are I you happy now? I'm brilliant. standing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good, good choices. Yeah. yeah, what about you, Rory? Um, I love the prison break. absolutely adore the prison break scene. Um, simply, well, there's, there's load of factors to it, but the prosthetic leg is genius. <laughs> um, and the fact that, you don't think Rocket's really got a plan. <laughs> you don't trust that he's actually kind of genius. Um, and then he switches all the gravity off in the room, just about when they're going to get destroyed, and then controls those uh, those kind of robots, those security robots with your ace, um, and you know guides the guides the pod out of there. Um, and then he <laughs> he goes back to collect his Walkman because it's so precious to him, and knocks out <laughs> that that giant looking guy and. Says that you know, um, Drag says this guy's a genius, you know, because <laughs> he floats out the ship in his mask and he says, and he shows him what he went to collect and he says, oh, he's an imbecile, and it's just <laughs> uh, that scene also has some of the best lines in it as well. Um, the whole prison scene when Drax is introduced is is good for me. It has that one where it's like uh, nothing flies over my head, my reflexes yeah. are too quick. I, I would catch, catch it. it. Yeah, yeah, and and. No one, no one would call me a. No one calls me a thesaurus, which is hard for me to say. But he's he's Drax is genius. He's those lines and that, and he's he just Rocket says these people are just too literal. <laughs> Nothing, none of this will work on them. Um, another another scene which I really like. Uh, I like the scene with the collector a lot. Um, I think Benicio del Toro is just wonderfully creepy in that role. Um, yeah, he and is. he asks he asks Groot uh, if I can, you know, he, he kind of approaches him slightly awkwardly and asks him if he can buy his body. And he says, you know, obviously on the condition of when you die. And, he, and Rocket pipes up and he says, is that your pet? <laughs> and Rocket just reacts as you expect Rocket to. Um, yeah, that's all that scene, that, that kind of, when they're in that, the skull of that old, Whatever it is, it's just Ace. That whole scene out in Unknown, or, you know, it's a really, really cool Nowhere. Concept. Nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Stu? Yeah, you've actually taken one of mine because I, Sorry, I was mentioned the, uh, the prison break because that is. It's Ace. The, the, the whole lead up to that with the the collecting of the different bits, and then when, when Quill puts the leg down and Rocket's like, oh, no, no, I, w- I was just messing about that. I only needed these two things. And he's like, mm-hmm. what? I gave him 30,000 credits. Rocket's just <laughs> laughing at him. Rocket's got the perfect laugh, you know. Bradley Cooper plays. Oh, yeah. Like, it looks really like a raccoon would be laughing. That kind of snigger laugh. He's just genius. Yeah, grinning. He's baring his teeth. 
Yeah. So I, I'm going to have to mention when Peter goes back to Zandar and he meets the the broker, and he he gets kicked out. The the first time when you've got Star Lord versus um, Rocket and Groot versus Gamora, where they're all fighting Brilliant. each other. Some of the things like where he takes the rocket pack off his boot, sticks it on her back, and then turns it on, and he flings her into a fountain. Groot has almost been slapstick where uh, rockets go into him. Put it, put the sack over his head, and he just puts it over Gamora, and he's like, "Oh, it's really sort of, (laughs) it's really Three Stooges." And I can't not mention the dance off at the end, where Peter's dancing, and he uh, he gives it to Gamora, and she goes. What and he goes taking it back and taking it back <laughs> and he's like that was what another are serious you moment doing? and he's like I'm distracting you you turd blossom <laughs> and then uh, the uh, Drax unleashes the weapon I'm gonna have to post on the Twitter page the the outtake of that dance off where they all actually do join oh I bet it's brilliant have you not seen it I haven't seen oh, it oh god it is hilarious wait until you see Batista's dancing. I bet it's seen it. It is amazing. He's absolutely brilliant. And Zoe Saldana's given it some as well. She she's great. I mean, we talked about characters before. She she's a, a genius actress. She knows exactly the movies to be connected in. So because she did Avatar, she's going to be in the Avatar trilogy, um, and then she's obviously in the Star Trek trilogy, or she will be in the third film to come. So um, getting involved in Marvel for her is a really good move. And yeah, she's brilliant in it. She's got some great lines as well. Um, when they are again in nowhere and the boys are down drinking, watching that wonderful kind of fighting. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, with the little like cock fighting for for aliens, <laughs> like it, you know, it's awesome. And when they they're watching that, and she's there. And he, he he obviously puts a uh, the Walkman over and, and gets her to dance, and he's talking about. Kevin Bacon and how a, a town full of people. <laughs> the legend of Kevin up, Bacon. Yeah, and a town full of people with sticks up their butts, and she's like, it's the literalization of it all again. So she just says, why, why would anyone put sticks up their butts? That's so cruel. And it's just like, no, 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 it's just a, it's just a metaphor. And, um, it's great because. I will Quill, not fall for your pelvic sorcery. Exactly. <laughs> He's been putting the moves on her for, since literally the moment. Yeah, since met. day one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's yeah, their, their chemistry is really good. And I think you've got to say the same. You know, Rocket and Groot's chemistry. Uh, Groot's Groot's genius for for someone that doesn't say any any lines. Um, whenever they talk about splitting uh, the the earnings three ways, and he just kind of goes. Yeah, he just I, goes. Huh? <laughs> yeah, he just makes the noise and pops his head in and stuff. And um, and the way yeah. Rocket, it, the way Rocket can understand him, it's kind of like it's like Flipper. It's like he just. I am Groot, and he's like, I know they are ungrateful, aren't they? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. He could be saying or R two D two, mate. Or R two D two. Oh, yeah, I not, I'm ashamed. Why wasn't that well? It's, it's a little bit. It's <laughs> a little bit too Chewbacca esque. It's got an element of, of Han Solo Chewbacca in a very different form, but there's a little bit of an element of that. Uh, just to go off on one of my patented stew tangents, you mentioning Zoe Saldana has reminded me. Hugo mm. Weaving, anyone? Also getting involved in three big franchises: uh, The Matrix, The Matrix, Lord of the Rings, Lord, Lord of, the of the Rings, Rings and. Not so much a trilogy, but he was the Red Skull in Captain America. Ah, he was. So he, he too has also been involved in three of the biggest movie sort of franchises, I suppose, of all time. 
Yeah, I do think there are actors that, that understand a good part when they see it. You know, yeah. they they, they kind of know that actually this is you know going to be a big move for us. So yeah, it's it, you know yeah he's a, he's a good actor. He, he played Red Skull despite Red Skull being a really strange uh, <laughs> villain for me. He still played it extremely well. The casting in general, we talked about it before. They're just genius. Even the really small parts got some great lines. Um, you were talking about John C. Riley before the. Oh God! Yeah, with when one he, of your favourite lines when he, he's talking to Glenn Close and he, he's relaying the the call he's had with Star Lord and he says uh, to quote him, "He's not a hundred percent a dick." And she says, "Do you believe him?" And he goes, "Well, I don't think anyone's really a hundred percent a dick." <laughs> he, and he's great because I love John C. Riley. He's a I love him. He's a proper comedy actor. He but is. Then, but then they balance that out with Peter Serafinowicz, who's so he's bone dry. He's like. Sahara Desert Dry, that when he even says, what a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> yeah. he, he couldn't be more anal if he tried. But well, then I believe t- I'm taking orders from a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he, he turns out to be one of the heroes as well, sacrificing yeah. himself. I love, you know, we talked about the visuals um, before. I love the scene when they all, all their ships form together and they're trying to stop Rodan's, you know, ship hitting there hitting the earth as such it's it's really really cool seeing that yeah vi- form that barrier you, you sort you don't get the the size do you of how big Ronan's ship is no until they all form out yeah. and all of a sudden you go from you can see 10 to 50 to 100 and then you're like there must be about a thousand ships or more all yeah. forming together to make this energy barrier and it, it visually it's incredible, but as with all of these things, it looks real. You actually think that they've made some kind of barrier. And you do. A, another thing I love about Ronan Ship, it's the way it moves. It's almost organic. It's like the the columns twist. They do twist. It's really, really cool. I don't know what it is, but something about it makes it look more sinister. It's like it's organic. I, I, yeah. I don't know. That the way it's controlled as well inside, you've got those weird creatures controlling it with these giant blue orbs yeah you do i noticed that when i watched it yesterday actually um yeah i thought it was it's all those those scenes with the the effects from from the minute he's he's landing on that that other world all the kind of flying scenes it's just it's so seamless i mean we talked about that before with marvel but you know it's it's a proper kind of space fancy adventure. We got asked a few questions yesterday. I kind of put it out there to our uh, wonderful followers um, about, you know, uh, about the film in general. And, and one says that, do you think this has the ability to be the new Star Wars for a Marvel generation? Mm. Um, you know, before The Force Awakens come out. So he's kind of saying that because it's going to go on to be in a trilogy, which I'm sure it is, and, and be heavily involved in the Marvel universe. Do you think this could be a kind of big ticket for, for Marvel's now other harm, you know, well, Disney's other arm of, of, of kind of things. And I can kind of see, I can see where they come across with that. Yeah. You, Not that kind of humour. Well, as you've a, already real, said, you, you can sort of relate, you can put Groot as the Chewbacca. Yeah. You, you've obviously got Star-Lord as Luke, and you'd have to say Gamora as, she, a, a sort of Leia, but a bit more of a badass, because she's, She's got some great fight yeah, scenes on Faldana. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it, it sort of is. I mean, it's it's the archetypal good versus bad, but it's set in, in the future with 
an underlying love story behind it and I can see you know I didn't even look at it in that that light but you can see there's the Star Wars in, in you know influence that's probably gone into the making of the film actually because it has got that kind of you know again it's more comedic based but Star Wars had a, a certain level um, and it's yeah it, it kind of I kind of see why it worked I mean obviously it did so well at the box office and it's a big, big ticket now for them. They know how big Guardians 2 is going to be. And it's been in pre-production and I think they're going to start filming this year. They're just finalising some of the casting parts. Yeah, um, James James Gunn, I think it is. I don't think it's been Kevin Feige, has been putting up <laughs> some pictures on his um, his Instagram page. of they've been. I think they've been doing some desk readings and I think the script has been finalised now, so hopefully they're going to start recording And you've got to hope that soon. Soundtrack Awesome Mix Volume 2 is, is in place. Because Awesome Mix Volume 1 is just outstanding. Yeah, uh, just before we go into that, I think now seems like a good time to just have a very quick break. You're listening, You're listening to, to the Anfield Index Podcast Channel. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Okay, welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. So we were just about to discuss what is undoubtedly the greatest film soundtrack of all time. And seeing as we've got a Guardians expert with us, I think it's only fair that Chris should take us into this. Well, uh... First of all, I don't think there's a better soundtrack in a movie. Well, not that I can remember anyway. Agreed. And I mean, I'm 24, so most of these songs are, are well before my time. But 
I absolutely loved every single song of it, and I downloaded the soundtrack afterwards, listened to it in my car sometimes, and it was just brilliant. Yeah, we um, some some friends of mine. We went to London last year, and we were doing the old classic. We were we were taking it in turns, Bluetoothing uh, our music to the stereo. Yeah. And uh, my mate Dicko, when he was coming back, we had his Spotify on, and all of a sudden he put this on. Once that went on, no one else wanted a turn. We just left this on, and we just listened to it start <laughs> to finish. So you had a, a car full of guys singing, hooked on a feeling is just a brilliant memory of mine. It really is. But I, I defy anyone to listen to that soundtrack and not sing along and click and tap your feet. It's such mm. a feel-good soundtrack, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah, it is. I was I was, um, I was, was quite anti the Pina Colada song, Escape, before this film. Oh, <laughs> now it's no. one of my guilty places. I know it's so <laughs> 80s, and it was just a bit like... 80s isn't my strong era of music, um, but a lot of this music's obviously Motown and Soul, yeah. and it's got really good kind of old school rock in here. So Cherry Bomb's a really good song, and it, it fits really well in the scene um, that they play it. And just from from that moment, you know, come and get your love comes on, um, and like you said, the dance off with Ooh Child. And just just throughout the film, they just get it so right. It's the you know I. There are there are you know other soundtracks that are very very strong um, to films, but in terms of these kind of films, it's perfect. And the score in general, I mean, everyone will just talk about um, about the songs, and they're amazing. But the score for all the kind of you know moody moody moments and road and stuff, that's all really good, really tension building stuff. It's perfect soundtrack. It just it just stays with you, and you'll hear a song. And it'll remind you of the film, and you'll watch a film, and you'll just want to listen to the soundtrack. That is what a good soundtrack does. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get that after watching it again yesterday. I I did want to just listen to the soundtrack, which admittedly I did today in work. I yeah, had it on in the background, and it's it's impossible to be in a bad mood when you're listening. All of those songs just put a smile on your face, and as you've just said, they make me think of the film. So when I'm hearing. I want you back. I'm thinking of tiny baby Groot dancing at the end. Oh, I love it. And then Drax <laughs> turns around and he stops. And I lo- I, I've never noticed that I, I was paying real attention to it. When yeah. Drax is looking round, baby Groot's face, his eyes are moving. And it's like he's looking to wait and see when the coast's clear so he can start jiving again. It's Groot, Groot's face throughout the film. Um, we talked about good scenes with Groot and stuff like that before, but the scene when they uh, get on to Ronan's ship... I knew you were going to say that, and I'm annoyed you got there before me. Sorry, man. Yeah. But <laughs> the scene when he extends his arm out, because they, they've done really well, they've pretty much beaten off all the, the, the rest, and then they turn around and there's this kind of huge horde of, of aliens running at them, and he extends his arm through five, six, seven, eight of them, and just smashes it left, right... <laughs> Yeah, and then just underextends his arm and just turns around and smiles that grin. It's just genius. Yeah, and I, when I was watching it last night, I remember thinking to myself, "I have got to mention this scene because it's hilarious." It is and, hilarious. And he turns around with that big shit-eating grin on his face, like he couldn't be more happy with himself. He's, 
he's got some great fit, you know the, the scene just before that when he extends his arm out and all the fireflies come out he's got kind of tricks up his sleeve a bit you know and that's what you gotta love about Groot because he's a kind of lovable enforcer but he's brutal as well yeah you know, he's a when brutal idiot it's the scene when they get into the prison and he shoves his thing through that guy's nose straight <laughs> through his brain it's like shit this is quite intense actually yeah. so. But but then when they land on the planet, when the beggar kids come up to them and he gives the little girl a little flower. Yeah. And and then later on, I'm just reminded of he eats one of them. When they're sat on the ship, he grows something out of he his does. shoulder and then he just eats it. Yeah, you know, when Peter Quill says, well, at least Groot agrees with me. Yeah. And, 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 like, <laughs> <laughs> Man, you really did make some notes, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah I just wanted to say, like, Groot has plenty of those moments where he's like... He's sort of like the heart and the soul of the Guardians. And plenty of emotional moments as well, like when he releases the fireflies, like you said, Rory. And then when the, the Ronan ship is crash, crashing and he sort of shields them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, don't, don't say it or I'll cry. Don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, we are Groot. We are Groot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It's, it's brilliant. It's so clever because obviously he says three words in a variety of ways, you know, throughout the film, and just to sl- flip it with one different word, and everyone, yeah. it just, you, it just, yeah, it gets you. You know, that's that's why. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's such a genius film because you know, like you've both been saying really, but like Steve was saying earlier, you're so kind of emotionally invested in in characters that aren't real that. It's just, it's done exactly what it wanted to. So it's taken all the serious elements, but then it's made you care about the characters. Yeah. And a lot of films don't do that very well. Nowhere near as well as this. A lot of superhero films in particular, you might well love the action and you might well love the effects um, and some of the storylines, but they don't often get you that emotionally involved in the characters and all of the characters because you care about Drax, even though. Yeah, you, you feel sorry what? for him. You, you understand. I mean, the, the bit where he's he should have died when he's been battered, and he he sort of he's come over all humble, and he he finally admits that his anger and his rage is all a mask to hide the pain. And you do you sort of think, oh God, well he he lost his family. Yeah, but I've I've got to go back. I've got to com- I, I've I've completely agree in uh, agreement now with Chris. Groot is R two D two. Because R two D two is able to convey more emotion with a sad beep yeah. than anyone else is with like a massive line of dialogue, and that's yeah. what Groot's like. And credit to Vin Diesel for making it like getting that emotional connection, I, even I though he only agree. has three words. Yeah, I, he's I don't done a know lot of work into it. this. Yeah, I don't know, but he he did. He said for such a such a random part, he actually invested a lot of time and effort into it. And that was the whole thing about doing his line in different languages. He wanted it to be his emotional portrayal. And there are obviously only three words or four words, but um, he still did them to the point that he was trying to convey that kind of emotion. So it's, it's, it's a good little role, albeit a strange one for him to be involved in. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think, Sorry, sorry, Stu. I think no, it sorry. opens up for him to be in future Marvel roles. He lends his voice to Groot, but he's not actually in the film. So I there think he's been actually, linked with the with the Inhumans. One. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've got him down to play the bulldog in my head. I, I can't remember what the bulldog's name is in in humans, but he doesn't speak. He only barks, and his power is he can teleport. But he's a massive bulldog. He's he's like a bulldog that's the size of a cow or something. And well, I, I actually thought he might play the main role, uh, Black Bolt. Do you reckon? 
give his face because then he doesn't have to talk and gives his voice for Groot and gives his face for Black Bolt. I can be see perfect. it. I can see it. And he, he's, he's obviously got the build for it because Vin Diesel's built like a brick shit house. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've oh, seen, have you ever seen the footage of him in the recording booth? No. I, I think I I've seen no. footage of it and consider like like you've both said considering he says three words he's been a perfectionist he's like i am groot and then he's like no 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 i can do it better and he, he is he's trying to put so much positive or negative or sad or happy emotion into the word am and he actually manages to do it you, you, you wouldn't think it's possible but it clearly is i've got a couple of more questions um a guy klaus santerson uh, great name uh, says why do I love it so much I've never read the comics <laughs> or anything it just makes me happy watching it please explain um, I we've done that to be honest we're trying to get across you know all our emotions of why we love it so much it's it's just it's just a lovable film and Chris Pratt is just the most likable lead man there is for me so um, yeah that's, that's it, it, it's it. everything it's got it's got good action. It's got the, the, the romantic element, even though nothing really happens between um, Star-Lord and Gamora. There's, there's the attraction. There's enough implied. There's yeah, enough implied. It, but it, it's implied, isn't it, that first it's just the attraction, but then you can tell he genuinely does care about her. He but does. then you care about all the characters, and exactly what you were saying before, if you don't care about the characters, I don't care about a film, really. Completely agree. I, 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 my favourite films are all the ones where you hate the fact that the credits have just started because it's finished and you know you've got to wait two, three, four years for the follow-up. Yeah, and that's it, one of those films, isn't it? It's it one really of those films is. Go, it, it, it was all well and good knowing that Age of Ultron was going to be out and then it was going to be Ant-Man. I want to see more Groot. I want more Rocket. I want to see what happens when they leave the Nova headquarters. Where did they go? And that's the thing with it. It's such an open, expansive universe for them to explore. Yeah. That it's kind of endless possibilities. If they've got a good writer, they've got the cast clearly on board and the same director, they can just take it whatever direction they want. It's really, really good. Obviously, uh, the rumoured direction is to be finding uh, Quill's father. I think we have to touch upon Yondu and his team of ravages because yeah. <laughs> they're just... It's just brilliant. I mean, Yondu's weapon is just beyond belief. Oh, yeah, he's, but... his whistle-controlled dart thing. I do believe yeah. it's called uh, Yaka Arrow. My oh, God. <laughs> you your accent. That's perfect, man. Uh, I made a point of looking that one up because I thought it was cool as well. That scene where he cool. crash lands on Xandor and then all these these aliens, these Sakaarans, I believe, around him, and then he sort of just like whistles and takes them all out in one go. Including the ship, and then he stands back, and as he sheaths it, they all just drop dead, and then the the ship yeah. explodes. It's a bit like a Winter Soldier moment where he takes out the uh, <laughs> the aircraft with his shield. We talked about last week, yeah. But, um, but it's still great. But Yondu, in general, and he, he's saying to Quill, "You know, when I picked you up on Terra, these my boys wanted to eat you. Yeah, <laughs> they never tasted Terran before." And it's like, but I didn't want to. But he's just brilliant because he's he's like a very obscure father figure to Quill, which is which is really good because it you know you can tell he doesn't want to he doesn't want to kill him. Do you know what I mean? You can feel that yeah. kind of emotional connection, albeit slightly different. Um, yeah, and in the way he sees that he doesn't have the orb. Yeah, he doesn't oh, have the trolls. Yeah, and then he just That's sort of smiles. 
Yeah, that, he, in, in he, a way, he he's obviously happy, isn't he? he? He knows it's a game, and he's having fun pursuing his sort of adopted son around the universe. Yeah, and what else is he going to do? Doesn't he? he lives for the chase. <laughs> yeah, to tell that's the way they are. And, and I, 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 lo- would... I love when he goes to see not the collector. Who's the other one? Uh, he goes to see the guy, the, the broker. Uh, the, the broker, broker. And, he, and he wants he wants that little little frog thing to stick on his dashboard with a load of other ones and the yeah. guy's like is he being serious he's like yeah he's being deadly serious yeah. <laughs> and you see that when he crashes onto his ship and they're all there on his console it's great and when when he crash lands the only one he picks up is he picks up his little crystal frog and puts he it in loves his pocket. the crystal frog yeah, yeah the one he got from the broker yeah, yeah exactly I mean, I'm glad you mentioned his father because I know we did get a question about uh, are well, we going to talk what happens in the comics? But we can't really because, firstly, I don't think we've read them, and we don't know if that's the direction that I, they're going to go in. But they, they do have that scene right at the I, end. I think Chris has probably read off on this, but we're not yeah, like, I, spoil it. Yeah, don't spoil it. Yeah, we, we, we'll we get, said we'll we're, get for this. we're not going to um, go ahead of of the films because we may cover comics at some point in the future. But for now, we're just going to stick with. What's I think the exciting, out prospect, the exciting prospect of the film is that they'll go in the direction they want to go in, but also it's rumoured that Kurt Russell is going to be cast. Um, yeah. And if Kurt Russell is cast, it was, it was kind of crossing the... Uh, it was it was a tricky contract to get signed by the sound of things, but um, if he's signed on, he could be Gene. Yeah, yes. and they do have that I bit right at the off. end, don't they, as, uh, as Yondu is leaving. They yeah. say, uh, I'm, I'm glad we didn't deliver him to his father. And they've just put that seed out there. I mean, because now if they come back to it, they've put that seed there, and they've so you know they they've started. Oh, they that were path. always gonna they were always gonna introduce the father, I think, because it's yeah. it opens up another part of the world. And and you know the only other place they really visit is is it nowhere? That's the only other place they really visit in the film, and that's such a cool setting. I mean, we talked about that before um but that that scene and we've not talked about it when they're they're doing that chase and they're in those kind of mining oh yeah aircrafts. that's fun that's really really fun yeah when uh, star lord's saying to rocket he's going oh but they've got no weapons and he goes yeah but they're, they're made of um industrial yeah, grade materials they're practically indestructible yeah. and he's like not against ectoplasm or whatever yeah. but he's like that's not what the point i'm trying yeah trying to make yeah, yeah and he just obviously then necroplasm. rocket Rocket kind of smashes between two of them, and then he, he goes head on playing chicken with another, and just bursts straight through the middle of it. It's yeah, really like a bowling good. ball. And then, and then Peter Cool sort of like opens the roof on the one and gets in and controls it from the inside in the, inside the pod. I'd, I'd, I'd actually really forgotten about that one when I when I saw it yesterday. I was going, I don't remember that. So I think yeah. I must have just been so preoccupied with um, with Rocket like a wrecking ball that I just yeah. completely <laughs> missed that one. Yeah, it's a really cool scene, um, and we haven't really talked about Nebula, but she's a good villain, well, sub-villain in the film as well, actually. She's pretty dark. Yeah, both both her and Gamora. I mean, I, I don't know if, if in the comics Chris will know if there is any sort of tie-in between the Guardians and Thanos like that, but they were both yeah, but... very, very good characters, both surgically altered the fight scene between the two of them, for me, is actually a little bit short. I would have liked to have seen more more hand-to-hand combat from them. But, yeah, go on, Chris. You can enlighten us because I'm sure you know a damn sight more about it than we do. Yeah, the Guardians and Thanos are actually uh, bigger enemies than the Avengers and Thanos because yeah. they're both in outer space. They've clashed multiple times. And oh. sort of Nebula and Gamora, that whole dynamic fits into it a bit. 
Yeah. So, so um, do you think that the Guardians are going to appear in either of the two parts of? Uh, yeah, the we got world? asked. We got uh, asked if there was going to be a crossover by the wonderful Moni One on Twitter, where he thinks there'll be a crossover between Avengers and Guardians. Uh, I think it's nailed on. Uh, well, yeah, based on what think... Chris has just said, I mean, it, it sounds like it has to. Yeah, well, Stu, we've spoken about this, how they're sort of setting it up where the first part will be the new Avengers sort of trying yeah. and failing. And I think yeah. the Guardians will come in sort of maybe in that form or at the end. That's what I was give thinking. them some info on Thanos or whatever and help them out. I'm wondering if somehow that there's, there's one member of the new Avengers, maybe, maybe Vision, because Vision obviously having the, the Infinity Stone, maybe he has got some kind of galactic knowledge and he's going to say, you know what? We can't beat them on our own. We need we need some people that are from Thanos' turf. Maybe they sort of reach be, out to them. <laughs> it could actually be Captain Marvel as well. Yeah, which, uh, so they want to introduce. She is from outer space as well. So I yeah. think that could be the connection. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, if that's if that's true, which I'm sure it is, then they've got to if if they've been locked in a battle for years and years, then they've got to bring them in to to sort of save yeah. the Avengers. Yeah. I think I think that work. I, I just yeah. I can't imagine the excitement of getting Paul Rudd and Chris Pratt on screen. Oh God! <laughs> well, not just, just that. the Guardians meeting the Avengers as a whole. I know. I just so think funny. I just think the deadpan lines. I just think yeah. it'll be priceless. Well, you can see it already, can't you? You can see Robert Downey Jr. taking yeah. the piss out of Groot. You can see. I mean, what what's going to happen when they meet Thor? You know, you've got Thor, a god. And then you've got Rocket, this little genetic experiment gone wrong or gone extremely right, whatever. There's so many different viewpoints, but we've already said we always end up talking about Civil War. I don't know how big the cast is going to be for the second Infinity Wars, but I think think it'll be huge. It it looks like it's going to be everyone from the MCU. Literally everyone that hasn't been killed could be in it to take Thanos down. Oh, I think they will. I just, I do wonder, uh, they're going to have to be careful with it. But is it Russo Brothers doing Civil War and doing uh, the Infinity Wars? I, I don't, it, they're, he, they're I definitely doing Civil yeah. War. Yeah. No, I think they signed off for both. And, and the good thing about that is because I think they'll get Civil War right. And that's got such a huge cast already. Do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of everyone's involved, Bar, obviously, Guardians and Bar, Hulk, and Thor. I would imagine they're the perfect ones for getting if they get this right, the, the kind of script, they're, they're going to be big films. I mean, if you're talking two parts, it's probably going to be six hours or at least five hours worth of film. It, it's got to be, yeah. I mean, most Marvel films now are, are two and a half hours comfortably, yeah. and there's going to be a lot of stuff going on because they, they've somehow got to take the fight from Earth into outer space. I mean, we still haven't got all of the Infinity Stones revealed yet. I think oh, no. There's still two missing, and it's been theorised that one of them could be um, Doctor Strange. One of them could be in the amulet that he wears around his neck. Strange as well. Yeah, the Gamora. Strange. I mean, yeah. Strange, Strange is another one. I mean, maybe he could even be the gateway between Earth and, and space. How do they get out there? Because I, I was reading, uh, sorry to go off Marvel, but I was reading um, Crisis on Infinite Earths yesterday, arguably one of DC's greatest graphic novels. And there's a huge supernatural element in that as well, um, with, say, the Spectre. The Spectre is one of the really prominent figures in it. So it, it think, could well be. Yeah, I think what gives me hope that they'll get it right is because I was a bit worried about the whole moving out to space and, and kind of that angle and approach to it. But Guardians 
gave me a bit of hope, to be fair, because Guardians work so well on that level, and they kind of get the, the balance right, and there's not much... I mean, this it's a trimmed film. You know, you don't watch Guardians and, and get bored at any point. Do you know no. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's pretty much perfectly uh, edited and, and produced, and, and you do know every scene kind of hits home in its own way. I think, yeah, I hand on heart, I think it's the most enjoyable Marvel film by some distance to watch. Avengers 1 was really close for me, and I love The Winter Soldier, which we talked about last week, but I just this film just gives me a smile on my face. The soundtrack, the acting, the script, and just all the effects. Just It's, it's a really well-visually put film, and you forget about the action. Stu was saying before, forget about that part of it. But you do kind of forget about the action, which is quite... This is quite a heavily action-based film, but you kind of... It's more about the script. The script kind of rules in the end, so that's why it's so clever. Yeah, I mean, it, it tells a good story, but there's a lot of fight in it, and there's a lot of well-choreographed scenes. The bit where they first get onto Ronan's ship, you know, you're choreographing five different people in two different fights, and you, you've got loads of different styles, because Star-Lord has got his weapons, Drax is all hand-to-hand, Groot is throwing people left, right, and centre. So you've got bodies flying behind people's heads, and they, they sort of, I think a couple of times they swap enemies as well. And it, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's very, it must have been difficult to choreograph those scenes considering two of the people were, were being added in by CGI. Yeah, and I, I think that the good thing with it, obviously, Drax brings his, his wrestling expertise. Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk about his look, but Jesus, he looked amazing in that film in terms of his visuals. I think the makeup took like initially four or five hours to do. Um, I think he's got a like, full upper torso, makeup and, and face as well. So it, I think that makeup, it, it looks like it. I don't know whether it is, but it looks like it's supposed to be scars, sort of like Nightcrawler. You know, the way Nightcrawler was introduced. In yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's carved these, uh, these angelic symbols into him. It looked like his whole body is covered with these and, and yeah it, it looks it looks amazing and and zoe's the same i mean i know she's a certain look but you know that again with makeup she didn't want to do cgi yeah uh, she actually uh, put a video up on her instagram recently i think of it was like a, a throwback thursday or a flashback friday of her a time-lapse video of her getting gamora'd up and because there is a lot, because they give it, they, they do a lot of work on her head, don't they? On her brow to give her like a more of a sloping brow. She almost looks a bit primitive. And yeah, all, all she the, does a the, little the bit. The colouring on her, and yeah, she she's obviously sitting in the makeup chair for a good few hours. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, that's the thing with these films. You know, you don't always see what goes into it, but um, it's a hell of a lot of prep and and just to just to do all that kind of stuff. So it was nominated for two Oscars. Uh, best achievement in makeup and hairstyling, which is just as we kind of noted, and it was up for best achievement in visual effects. Both of which um, would be pretty fair. I mean, the, the visual effects, it's, I always think it's hard to get sci fi believable. I always distinguish between Star Wars and Star Trek. Star Wars is what I would say is believable sci fi. Star Trek has gone that little bit step too far where it's They've got matter creators where nobody needs real food anymore. They just get it created by computers and they've yeah. got teleporters, yeah. whereas Star Wars has always kept ships land on a planet and you get off by stairs or by a ramp or something, and I prefer that, and that's what Guardians does. They they, they land in places. They've still got spaceports and what have you, and it's 
it yeah. feels more believable. And even though they've got weapons, the weapons don't do anything massively, you know, incredible. Like Quill's guns basically fire little electricity. So bolts. it's like a stun gun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, it's like a well, actually, it's actually an elemental weapon. If like if you if they followed the comics to the yeah. letter, like. And it's key to his DNA, so only he can fire it, and then he can like choose the stun. Or at one point, he fires like his yellow. I did notice that, yeah, in the in the final scene or final yeah. fight, he yeah he didn't stun like he did against the people in the prison, so he did change it up a bit. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you know, his arm to arm kind of combat isn't you know we talked about Marvel really, you know, the Captain America stuff, the Civil War would be way above and beyond Guardians. You know, combat. Oh yeah. Um, but it works. He's not supposed to be. I mean, obviously ripped and got into great shape, but he's not supposed to be a superhero. He's no. a kind of anti-superhero. He's not quite Deadpool. No, but he's a thief. All, you know, it's all his equipment, isn't it? He's got his guns, his rocket things. He's got his his visor. He, like you say, it's believable. He's just a kid who was captured from Earth, raised by pirates, essentially. Yeah. So yeah, if if he was you know a, a master marksman or brilliant with swords, you'd be sort of yeah. thinking, well, how the hell did he pick that up? Whereas Gamora, yeah. Gamora was created as a living weapon, so exactly. it makes sense that she would be an incredible athlete, and she's been tuned so she's faster, stronger, and all the rest of it. Yeah, Drax, exactly. Obviously, Drax is presumably from some kind of warrior race. I mean, Chris, you would know better than me, but he, <laughs> he certainly seems to be. Drax's story is interesting. Like, it's actually a long story that like he was actually human, and then his sort of spirit was taken by someone and placed into this warrior body. Wow. Uh, I don't know if that's what they're doing in the movies. That it's. Uh, it'd be interesting if they explore that a little bit. Actually, I that, think that's an interesting angle. That. See, I, I like things like that, and I like the bit you mentioned about. Quill's guns being DNA coded. I love little things like that because, again, it's believable. You sort of think that in the future, if you've created spaceships, it wouldn't yeah. be un- unreasonable to make a gun that can only be fired by the person who it's issued to. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the story about the gun is that it was actually his father's left behind. Right. Yeah, so... I'm I'm, re- I'm really really hoping that they're going to explore the father thing more now because they no it, they, they they clearly will. I yeah, mean if they, if they they have the bit in Nova headquarters, don't they? Where they they do the DNA scan and they find out that he's yeah. not fully human; he's only half. Yeah. And then they they don't really say what his father is, but something uh, ancient. Yeah, something yeah. we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, I I, I think I've I've read. I'm not going to say what it is, but I've read about what his father is supposed to be. And if they go down that road, that that road in in either Guardians Two or Guardians Three, it sounds like it could really be an absolute galaxy-wide smash. <laughs> I mean, it looks like they're going to have to travel the length and breadth of the galaxy to to get the answer to these questions. Oh, well, James Gunn has spoken about uh, Star Lord's father, and he said that he, they've had to create the story completely anew. Like they're not going to do the comic story right. at all. Yeah. They're going with the whole yeah, new I don't approach. think they can. I don't think they can. I think they've got to be, if they are going to tie in, you know, Guardians 2 comes out before Infinity Wars, doesn't it? So, yeah. if yeah. they're going to tie it to next Infinity year, Wars. Isn't it? Guardians yeah. 2. Yeah, it's next year. And, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, I, I love the fact that the film uh, went on and then, I'm not sure which of you said uh, favourite scene when Rocket stands up and after uh, he declares that he, um, Quill declares that he's got a plan, yeah. <laughs> Rocky goes. Rocky goes. 
you've just ripped off my line. That's what I said. It's like, it's not... A, oh, it's when not they're discussing expression. the plan, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I've got 12% of the plan. <laughs> yeah. um, and they're all then suiting up for the battle and they, they come out as a as a unit and, and that's the scenes when, you know, they storm the ship and Drax absolutely going mental when they're storming the ship. He's absolutely losing his mind and expresses to them all that he starts to... He says, you big dumb tree, you are my friend. You Peter Quill are my friend. And then he says, that green whore, she is my yeah. friend. <laughs> it's just, it's really, really good. I, I love the way it kind of builds towards the end of that film. And then there's a, there's a closing scene, um, which we got asked the question about, Stu, which I think we have to talk about. Stu is the king of after scenes in films, after credit scenes yes. in films, because you always talk about these. Um, so the after scene involves the collector, the space dog runs through, which I thought was a nice little touch. Yeah. And then... Cosmo the space dog. Yeah, the first dog yeah. in space. Yeah, and then who's the other... Howard fame? the duck. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, someone there's, else, there's actually else, been a lot else. of... Um, speculation, I see. There's a lot of speculation about what else the collector's got. There's been... People have gone through it, as they always do, frame yeah. by frame, trying to work out if... Oh, Chris, help me out. What's the, what's the name of the guy who's in the cocoon? Adam, uh, Adam, Warlock. Adam Warlock, that's it. Yeah, yeah that's uh, been confirmed, actually. Oh, as right, I haven't yep. seen that. But then yep. the, he's got the last... And he's actually the, a pivotal um, character in, in the Infinity Wars, so... Ah, oh, well, there you go, they've got two. And the, he's yep. got one of the... He's got the last living Dark Elf from Thor. And he's got a Chitauri as well. Yeah, he's got a Chitauri, and it, it it's great. that There's lots of, of different things in the background, but... The Howard the Duck at the end, where he. Do you think? It. Do you think they'd make a Howard the Duck film? Again, no. I no. don't think they will. I think they, I, I, even though they've made Ant Man brilliant and they've made Guardians brilliant, I just, I, I think too that's far. one step too far. Too well, far. there was a there was a Howard the Duck film. It was and actually it was the first awful. Marvel character. Yeah, it was George Lucas, and it was horrible. It, it was, was horrible. Yeah, terrible. well, no, it was. It was such a weird film. I remember it as a kid. It was we will be bizarre, mentioning but... that in in the coming weeks when we do a pod about terrible films. Do you know what? Yeah, I will think, be Chris, it. Chris, I think you might want to come on for this, actually, because you're perfect for this. So I think what we're going to do in the coming weeks, we've got loads planned um, for the coming weeks, but um, we're going to do our our kind of most disappointing comic book adaptation um, and we're going to talk on some of the other ones so um, there's some really good ones to cover um, Stu will be waxing lyrical about the Green Lantern <laughs> I, I will spend um, at oh least oh three boy. hours complaining about the Green Lantern <laughs> film where it went wrong and how I could have done a better job I think I think I'm going to have to for because I love Scott Pilgrim more than most things in life. I will be talking about that because it bombed, not because it's a bad film, but because it absolutely bombed because the marketing was all kinds of wrong. Um, and then Fantastic Four and maybe latest Superman oh, and latest Man of Steel, rubbish. What yes. about Superman Returns? Mm. I didn't even consider that one because I don't consider it to be a film. <laughs> it was like an experiment that went wrong because I love Brandon Routh, but he is no Superman. So I think we've we've got some plans going forward, and I totally agree with Rory. I think when we do the the film miscreants episode, we'll definitely have to have you back on because it's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah. you've schooled the pair of us in all things Guardians. <laughs> Didn't quite yeah. school the quiz though. So. Yeah. yeah.
Uh, yeah, that question about the languages threw me a bit. Oh, yeah. mate, I knew that'd be tough, but I thought you might have read it because it's one of those that pops up a little bit on the, the trivia side. Yeah, you see, I made notes about everything in the movies and didn't really pay <laughs> yeah, attention to sorry, art, man. So. Yeah. <laughs> but Zach, Zach, Zach got to six. I had to kind of make sure it was tough again this week. So Yeah. Oh, that's well, fair enough. Uh, thanks again for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we hope you've had fun with us. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Excellent. Well, we will definitely have you on again soon. Uh, Rory and I will be back hopefully next week. Uh, we're always at the mercy Please. of the, the wonderful AI elves when, when they've got time in their incredibly busy schedules to fit us in. But hopefully we'll get one out next week as well. Yeah, it'll be on our shiny new page on the wonderful app as well. Yes. Uh, soon coming to Android. Already I out on iOS. We've got our Twitter page, which is out there, at AI Comic Pod. We've got our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash AI Comic Pod. Please share us around with anyone that you know who's into all things comics. We've got absolutely no standards. We will whore ourselves out for very little. We just want <laughs> listeners. Do you know what? It's it's listeners a little bit like audience. We just want people to kind of appreciate it in the sense that we're just like community and we just like to have a chat with the right Aww. kind of people. You know, we're not here to go, oh, yeah, we want thousands of people checking in. We just want a good core of listeners who interact with us and want to be involved and want to be on the pods and and things like that and we are you know open to that chris kind of introduced himself to me and i hadn't known him before this and he just you know kind of messaged me and stuff and i was like yeah man of course you can come on and um Stu knows you well and i'm sure you'll be great and you have been great and that's that's what we want you know um people who really love the kind of films and the the comics and the genre yeah. so there's loads of you out there so it's all good yeah only thing left to say is we are grouped <laughs> I think that's it. So we'll see you later. Thanks very much for listening. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.